Welcome to the Aaron Church Podcast, where our mission is bringing life to everyone, everywhere, every day. Each podcast episode features the latest talk from our church, which are released weekly. We're passionate about Jesus, love to worship together, and are committed to changing our community for the better. Connect with us at aaronchurch.com. Hey church, great to be able to be joining with you. Of course, you will notice that I'm not actually joining with you um, in person on the stage. For those of you who are in the congregation, in the meeting, that's because I have radically forgotten that I was going to be in Colombia this week. And uh, so we've had to record this message. So whilst you hear this, I will be, hopefully I'll be sleeping if the jet lag isn't too strong, because I will be five hours behind you over there in Colombia. But greetings from Colombia. It's great to be able to have the technology to be able to do this. Nice one, Joel and Abby. Thank you so much for being there for us to make this happen. So today we are talking about radical prayer radical prayer and as we've said lots of times you're probably so bored of hearing it now radical means to go back to the root of something and there are a few things that I think are as misunderstood within the church uh, as prayer usually when we hear that word we shudder we have a sudden pang of guilt feeling like oh no the, 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 the speaker's going to tell us we're not pray, praying enough or try to tell us some ways to pray better. The reality is that we often we look at prayer as an activity when the truth is prayer is not an activity. Prayer is an attitude. In fact, in Hebrew, the main word that is used for prayer, the word tefillah, at the root of it, it means to reflect together. God calls us into this walk where we reflect on life together with him where when we walk talk breathe whatever we're doing we have the opportunity to reflect and to join in the great conversation with God that is flowing ebbing and flowing throughout all of creation it's fascinating to me that tefala is the word that is used for the psalms and To the Hebrew people, the main thing that they would have called prayer is what we today would call, ordinarily, we'd call it worship. It was singing our songs to God. And so often the the Psalms were the prayer book of the Jewish people. What they would have called worship would have been the study of God's word. It would have been wrestling with the concept of the truth of God's word. And so often I actually think that we beat ourselves up thinking that we aren't great at prayer and that we're pretty good at worship when the reality is is that we're probably quite good at prayer and not so good at worship a lot of the time. And God wants to call us into that radical space, the root of prayer, which is all about communion. It's all about relationship. And we're going to jump into the story in Acts 12. Acts 12 verse 1 to 18 tells this amazing story about uh, Peter, Peter's jailbreak. I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, it was about this time that King Herod 
arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. So King Herod has an intention here. He is intending to do something. But how many of you know that the enemy's intentions are no match to the purposes of God? God has a purpose for us. And of course, the enemy wants to attack it. But it is no match for what God has already intended and already predestined before the foundation of the world. God is at work. And so when the enemy comes in, know this, the spirit of the Lord will rise up. Up like a flood against him and will be with you and for you. Goes on, says he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Now, this is really significant. This is James, James and John, the sons of thunder, the, 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 the two uh, loudmouthed disciples who wanted the place of honour with Jesus. James has been martyred. He's been put to death by the sword. This is the first one of the 12 that has been uh, that has been persecuted in this way. We know we learned about Stephen just recently, but this is the first of the apostles who has been persecuted in this way. And I'm sure it would have sent shock waves through the community. They would have been uh, in fear. They would have been concerned about what was going to happen next. Notice that this time it is King Herod. So this is this is important because it is a persecution that is coming from without outside of the community of faith rather than inside the community of faith. So previously we've had Saul persecuting the church and Saul represents this religious spirit. The religious spirit is all about fighting with a zealous nature for truth above absolutely everything else. And so Saul sees himself as a protector of the faith, fighting against this renegade sect within Judaism. And we know the story with Saul. God meets with him miraculously. Incredible. But now we have an outside force that is coming against the church. And we see Herod and Herod represents a political spirit. And Herod is coming against and he's going for the jugular man. He is going for the head. He's not. This isn't just any of the 12. This is one of the three. You know, Jesus brought Peter, James and John almost like into his inner circle. And so Herod is saying, I am going to stop this movement. I'm going to cut it off at the head. The scriptures say that he was put to death by the sword and that meant that he was beheaded. James was beheaded. And uh, there's this incredible picture there of how the political spirit wants to destroy the plans and purposes of God. And Herod does this because he wants to gain favour with the people. Political, the, the political spirit is all about kind of fear of mankind and this intense addiction to please and bring approval from people. Why? Because the political spirit knows that it is the body politic, it is the people that have put them in a place of power and it is the people that can take them away from that place of power. And so it all becomes about how can I make sure that everybody is on my side? And this is such a danger. You know, it, that spirit still tries to attack the purposes of God. We need to come to a place where we realise that we are free from the, uh, the approval of mankind. If you do not live by the praises of people, neither will you die by their criticism. We need to step into that place of freedom. And so now we have Herod coming against and he's seen that it's been good and he's going to go a step further. And it says that he seizes Peter. Goes on. It says Peter in verse five, Peter was kept in prison but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I'm going to say that again. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. 
The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Man, can you believe it? I don't think I could sleep at a time like that. And yet Peter is asleep. He is asleep in that moment. Why? Because he, he is at a place of peace. He's at a place of peace knowing that God is with him. And like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said years ago, we know that God can save us from anything. But even if he does not, we know that God has something better for us. And I'm not going to read the whole story, but to cut the long story short, the church is praying. An angel comes and awakens Peter. The chains fall off. He walks out. He walks all the way back to the place where the prayer meeting is going on, knocks on the door. They don't believe that it's him at the door. And then eventually they come and they let Peter in and everybody rejoices about this incredible miracle that God has done. There's just a couple of things that I really want to pull out just super quickly from this text. First of all, I want to tell you when the church prays, anything is possible. And their prayer had 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 two things that are specific to their prayer. The first of it was corporate. It was together. You know, so often we think about prayer and we think about having our quiet time or, you know, having a little walk and praying and talking to God. That's good. And it has its place. But there is an exponential power that comes in when we join together and cry out to God for something. It says in Deuteronomy that one of us can put to flight an army of a thousand. Two of us can put to flight 10,000. Imagine what happens when the church comes together and begins to declare back to the heavenlies what God has already promised. And so they join together. We are not an organization. We are a family. We are an army. We are, we, 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 we're in our togetherness. There is incredible strength, just like when the Roman army would march and the shields would surround them and nothing could penetrate. Nothing could infiltrate that. Secondly, it says that their prayer was constant. I don't know about you, but a lot of the time I'll say a quick prayer and then I either will forget about it or or I'll give up. Can you imagine the temptation to give up? Because I can guarantee that they prayed for James as well and it didn't turn out the way that they expected for it to turn out. I don't know about you, but when my prayers don't turn out how I want them to turn out, it makes me reticent to want to cry out and to and to and to pray again and yet here they are crying out again there is a power in prayer when we pray not knowing what the outcome is going to be not knowing what is going on behind the scenes remember they didn't know they didn't know that Peter was having this encounter with an angel they didn't know that the miraculous was breaking out all they knew was that they had to grab a hold of God And the word that it uses, the Greek word that is used there for the consistency, the constant nature of their prayer is actually a medical term. And Luke being a doctor, I'm sure he pulled on that. And he uses a medical term that is used for a muscle that is strained to its limit. It's the same word that is used of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they pray with this, this, this intensity, this dogged tenacity. I will not let go of you, God. I will not let go. And God responds. And I love that it's, it's so comical that, you know, that Peter, it, it's no trouble getting Peter out of the jail, but it's really difficult getting him into the prayer meeting because Peter stands and he knocks at the door. And the uh, and, and Rhoda, one of the one of the girls that, that worked for this family, she comes to the door and says, it's Peter at the door. And they're like, it can't be Peter. It must be his ghost. It can't be Peter. They, they which shows that they're probably quite surprised that God would answer their prayer in the first place. And she 
insistent and she goes back and she says it's Peter at the door and there's this insistency here you remember Jesus said that when we pray he said ask and you will receive seek and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be open to you I was going to maybe title this this uh this talk knock knock at the door and uh uh, because here we have this, while they are storming heaven, while they are knocking on the door of heaven, God is breaking open a jail cell door and bringing Peter to the door of that meeting. And so when we pray, God calls us to pray from a place of uh, of, of togetherness, of our corporate nature, and to pray constantly. Amazing things happen when we pray together. The outcome isn't always what we would expect. I mean, any of us here, I'm sure every single person in the congregation could put their hand up and talk about a time when God has moved miraculously in response to their prayers. And everybody in the congregation could put their hand up and say that there have been moments when they've been disappointed that seemingly God hasn't done what they wanted God to do. Prayer is not, it isn't a... um, it isn't like a slot machine where we put we punch in some formula and we receive something back. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is our union walking and talking and sharing with God. And when we do that, prayer can be powerful, dynamic, it can be exciting. When we seek God's heart, we begin to care more. And often, you know, People think that they've got a prayer problem when the reality is we haven't got a prayer problem. We've got a care problem because we pray about what we care about. I know that when we have somebody who is struggling right now with an illness in their family and it is life or death and they are praying and they are fasting and they are gathering people together to pray and to fast and to cry out together. Why? Because we care. What we really need to do is reach out to the heart of God and say, God, would you make me care about what you care about? Would you break my heart with the things that break your heart? Because when we do that, our care problem will be removed and so will our prayer problem be removed. So church, let's be a church that enters into radical prayer. Let's be a church that prays and cries out to God until we see the chains come off of an oppressed world until we see people break out of the prison cells of addiction and fear and torment. Until we see those miracles happen, let's keep on praying. Let's keep on fighting. Let's keep on standing together. In Jesus' name, God bless you.